Hi folks, and welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Geis. I'm your current host because this fall I'll be joining the faculty at South Dakota State University as a professor in the professional program in veterinary medicine, which means I'll be leaving Sioux Nation Ag Center. I will miss spending time with our guests to provide you, the listener, with the tips, advice, and information to help you run successful operations. So therefore, on the program today, I'm talking with Dr. Evan Van Busicum. He'll be the new host of the Sioux Nation Podcast. You may recognize his voice as he's been a guest on the program a few times, sharing his experiences and knowledge in the world of poultry production. So thank you for taking the time to stop by the podcast today, Evan, and share with everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Dr. Jake, for the welcome. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's exciting. So let's just kind of back up. That way we can tell people a little bit more about yourself and what you do and everything. So let's start at the beginning. When did you decide that you wanted to become a veterinarian? And what really led to that decision? So when I was in kindergarten, I had a project that like our whole class had a project and we had to make a little drawing slash, I guess, I don't know, it was like a paper person, right? And we had to dress this person in the clothes of our future profession. Oh, okay. And so I wanted to be a farmer because my great grandfather had farmed, my dad had farmed a little bit with him and, uh, and I wanted to be a farmer. Well, I got home from school, and mom told me that it was very unlikely that I was going to end up being a farmer unless I married into a farm because we didn't have any land. And so I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but at about first grade, I realized that I could be a veterinarian because the thing I liked the most about farming was just seeing all the animals and going to people's farms. And even though as a vet, I would have to go see sick animals. On the way to the sick animal, you get to see all the healthy ones. And Good first so, grade logic right there. Yeah, so I thought, okay, well, that's what I want to do. I want to be outside. I want to go to people's farms, meet them, and like see animals. From then on, I just every move I made was to make sure I could get into vet school and be successful. Sure, so there wasn't like a second genesis to this career. It was just kind of a focus from then on out that this is what I'm going to do and that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, I would say first grade onward, I was going to be a veterinarian and anytime anyone asked and I just made plans to do that. There wasn't a second option. I I don't know, I, as a kid, I just felt like I was good enough to be a vet and if I, for some odd reason I wasn't, then I would cross that bridge when I came to it. So I just didn't plan for a second option. I just made sure that everything I did was going to be on that track. And so I got into the University of Minnesota, which again, same deal. I wanted to go to the U, so I didn't apply anywhere else. I told my mother that if I didn't get into the University of Minnesota, that I was just not going to go. And so luckily I got in and um, I got into the VetFest program uh, my freshman year of undergrad. And so uh, that cut out a lot of um, of the guesswork as far as am I going to make it to vet school or not because I knew that I was in because I had been admitted. And so I just had to finish my degree. And so I got into vet school a little earlier than most because I didn't have to you know, spend as much time. You didn't have to do the, the bachelor's hall requirements. Well, I, I still did. It was kind of a freak thing. At the University of Minnesota, and I assume at other universities, I know they have something similar to SDSU, uh, they'll have a faculty advisor. And in a kind of a twist of fate, my faculty advisor got canned after my first semester. They never gave me a new one. And so I was able to take as many credits as I wanted to because there was no one to say no. 
typically at the University of Minnesota, 12 credits is a full-time student. And you can take up to, I believe, 18 credits without special permission. But I was taking, you know, anywhere from 22 to 28 credits a semester. And nobody said anything. And so I got done in three years with my full degree uh, in animal science with an emphasis on dairy production management. Because I was a little concerned that, you know, as I moved through my undergrad career, I was a little concerned that I didn't want to go to four more years of school. And I just thought, okay, like... If I don't finish the vet degree and I don't get an undergrad degree, then where does that leave me? What they do with the VetFast program is what it really means is that you need to complete all of your prerequisite requirements for vet school with a minimum GPA of, I believe it was 3.4 or 3.5 in those classes. And then as soon as you're done with those, so it could be after a year and a half or two years, you could go into vet school. So that's kind of how it ended up working for me is that I was done with all my prereqs after two years for vet school. And then the last year, I just thought, okay, well, what do I need to do to round out my degree and finish? Because if you go into vet school after your first year of vet school, they give you kind of an honorary uh, degree. It's a bachelor's of sciences. And so it doesn't really have an emphasis and it's not really a major, if you will, that people would really recognize, but it's kind of an honorary uh, sure, sure, degree. but it'd be hard to explain on a on a transcript. Like, well, you have a bachelor's of sciences. What is this? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, most uh, the the good thing, and for those of our listeners who have kids that are, you know, entering that age, is that you know it really doesn't matter for most careers what your undergrad degree is in, as long as you have one. And so, honestly, in in vet school. You would think that they'd all be animal science majors. Oh, heck no. Yeah, right. You know, because you were in there that it isn't. I mean, I went to school with uh, a couple of actual MDs that were going to, they wanted to be veterinarians instead. I went to school with a music major. I went to school with two guys with English undergrad degrees, rhetoric degrees. And so they decided they wanted to be veterinarians. They had to do the same science pre-work that we, we all had to take the same prereqs. But what their actual degree was in was different. And so that was a surprise to me is that I just, I assume that we'd all have like an animal background, but that just wasn't the case. Within this too, what I find interesting is, is that your emphasis was dairy science. And I think we've explored this a little bit before in a previous episode, but if you could use like a, an elevator speech length synopsis of how you made the transition from dairy to poultry. Yeah. So basically I grew up milking cows. Uh, my family didn't have cows, but I milked I mean, even after I was a veterinarian, I milked cows from when I was 11 until I was 31. I would milk on weekends, on breaks, over the summers. Basically, whenever I wasn't working whatever big boy job you know, I had, I'd be milking. I like dairy cows. That was something that I was really passionate about. Well, when I got into vet school, I was all set to be a dairy veterinarian. That was the plan. I felt the dairy program at the U, and this is maybe my own personal experience, but I know that other folks in my year felt similarly that it was overly competitive and divisive. And so some faculty might go to a dairy farm and they'd be like, well, we're only going to take two students with us. Even though they may have had four spots in the car, they were taking two. So you had to like compete for their favor to be one of the students that goes with to see this dairy. That wasn't what I wanted. I didn't want to be part of an industry like that. I also had a dairy internship with Circle H. It was dairy and swine mix with Circle H Animal Health in Dalhart, Texas. And that was a great experience. But one of the things that it 
uh, really impressed upon me is that typically dairy veterinarians of today and of the future, most likely, were preg checking pharmacists. And so you're going to be preg checking cows once a week if they don't have someone who's already on staff at the dairy doing that because most states allow you to preg check your own cows. So if they don't have someone, you'll be arming them. But otherwise, you're basically a source of antibiotics and reproductive hormones to help the dairy cow you know, perform at her optimal efficiency. And so that was just something I didn't really want. Remember, I mean, I wanted to be a veterinarian that goes to see farms and meets with people. And you get to these big dairies and you don't really see very many people. You're not, it's not the same feeling. I kind of wanted to be a James Harriet fed. I think a lot of us growing up did. We read the James Harriet books. We thought we'd be James Harriet with a little less debt. That was a joke. Uh, I mean, like, definitely did not happen. But, and that's what I wanted to be. So then I went into the pigs and started doing swine research. And man, they were so open and welcoming and supportive and like, if there was four spots of the car, there'd be four students in there. And pretty much they didn't have a problem with, you know, telling people not to be in pigs because there were so many jobs in, in the swine industry. And so I went down the swine path. And uh, when I graduated from vet school, I was going to be a swine veterinarian. And I interviewed at a lot of places. I got to the, I was the second choice at a bunch of places. My favorite uh, swine company actually hired me. And, um, However, there was some issues with, you know, corn prices and hog prices, and they kind of all went the wrong direction. And they said, hey, we'd love to hire you, but we can't right now. So I was 20, what was I, 25, I think, or 24, young veterinarian, and had all these student loan payments and didn't have a job. And so uh, Jenny O and the turkey industry had been kind of courting me and, like, talking to me for years with my poultry background and said, hey, we really want you to be in the industry. And I was always saying, no, no, no. And finally I said, yes, because I wanted a job. And Starvation is yeah. a magnificent motivator, isn't it? Right, right. Well, I mean, the, the sad part was I was milking cows. I was uh, serving at Applebee's, and I was judging some livestock shows. And those three side hustles together, I was making more than I was making at Genio as a veterinarian. So... That was, I mean, it was a kicker, but I was like confident that over time I'd crawl out of that, and it and it did eventually get better. But, but yeah, so I worked at Genio for five years, and then moved here to Sioux Nation, and so I've had, those are the two, I guess, professional jobs I've had after graduation. So that transition to Sioux Nation, could you talk a little bit more about that? What you're doing, what your kind of focus is, and all that. Obviously, a poultry. They pay me to be the poultry veterinarian, but because there's a lot less birds here in South Dakota than in Minnesota, I do a lot of internal relief. So uh, Sioux Nation, we have, I believe, eight locations currently where we offer veterinary care. And there's about 25, 26 veterinarians, I think, on staff. And if someone in the company is on maternity leave or gets injured, then I'll try to fill in for them wherever they kind of are. With that many veterinarians, there's usually someone on maternity leave or somebody is recovering from some kind of an injury or, or, or illness. And so it's what's been keeping me busy. So I get to kind of use my dairy, swine, poultry background and a little bit of small ruminants. I grew up with uh, sheep. And um, so I've been able to kind of use those and leverage those to be a pretty versatile veterinarian here at Sioux Nation. 
now let's maybe pivot from your background to this podcast a bit. Now, obviously there was a void to be filled and you're here to fill the void, but what are some of the aspects about this that you're looking forward to being the host of it? Well, you know, it's, it's a nice way to kind of break up doing vet work by doing this podcast. And so I also find it really interesting to learn. And uh, I think a lot of us in our field and as veterinarians and in other fields are lifelong learners. And so this offers me an opportunity to talk to a lot of other professionals and learn a little bit of things that I don't know while we bring that information to our listeners. We also, you know, you've had me here before and I enjoyed the experience and it definitely didn't bother me to, to, you know, share some poultry knowledge. So that was also attractive. It was a task that needed to be accomplished, but for me, it's not an onerous task. So now that you're going to be transitioning to my chair as a host, rather than just being a guest, what are some of the things you hope to accomplish in this role? I just would really want to bring the same level of comfort and you know support to our guests. I think that as a good host, one of the things that you really bring to the table is kind of drawing out the information and getting them comfortable with doing this podcast. So I'd hope to continuing to do that. And then with some of the varied experiences, you have a bunch of experience of your own, and so you're able to kind of interject those and ask questions and kind of bring some information kind of to a different real-world realm that maybe you have more experience in to kind of draw a parallel. And so as a host with a different set of experiences, I hope to do the same thing just with my own background. It'll be neat to see that transition from my role as a beef cattle veterinarian to your role uh, with poultry industry plus and how that plays out in the conversations that occur on this podcast because there are so many different ways that we approach situations based on our previous experiences and that it'll be interesting to listen to it as that change occurs and how that plays out right definitely so hopefully you'll tune in just as often even though you won't be working here to our our show Give well, us, I'll be give I'll, some feedback. It will be interesting to be listening and not be listening as as being the one sitting there who's doing the interview at the time. That will be uh, that'll be a little different for sure because you know as as we know it's a recorded show, so everybody knows every time here in this room when I screw up, which well, I do have to give a shout out to uh, the gentleman that does our sound work. He he definitely is over there. Like, nope, nope, don't talk about me. But I I won't. Uh, I won't drag him out too much because I know he hates it, but yeah, he definitely makes me sound a heck of a lot better than I am in real life. <laughs> so, well, I'm sure he'll do the same for me. <laughs> that works out great. So, Well, Evan, I really appreciate not only coming in today to help the listening audience understand the transition that's going to occur, introduce yourself, but, but also taking up the mantle. You know, This has been a really great program, and it's awesome that you're going to be a part of it in the future. Yeah, no, like I said, I'm excited, and it's a new opportunity, and happy to help. All right. Well, thank you. And I'm sure folks will be excited to hear what else you have to share. And thank you to our listening audience. Y'all take care, folks. Mm-hmm.